Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, for those that don't know, my name is Odell, and I'm on the staff team here at Central. And um, it's great to be able to come together. I would still love to be able to look out and not see face masks, but at least we're able to gather here together. We are continuing today in our series in Ephesians. And this passage that we're looking at today is building upon the message of last week that was all around unity. And today we are going to be considering the part of Paul's letter where he tells us that Christians are to live differently. As we were driving in this morning, Jensen, um, my eldest, asked to pray for me for this morning. And in his prayers, he said, pray that mummy would speak the unexpected. So I don't quite know what he means by that, whether that's some prophetic insight, but uh, let's wait and see. It's important for us to recognize at times as Christians that life can be hard and can be challenging and can be costly, but that's also the case if we're not Christians as well. And if you sit here today and you wouldn't yet say you are a Christian, I just want to um, increase the welcome to you this morning. And actually, it may well be that you're best placed this morning. As we think about whether as Christians we live our lives differently, it might be that actually you're able to say whether you see those around you who are Christians living their life differently. But what's also important to start with is that these verses that we're looking at are challenging, and I am no expert, let me tell you. And the reason I can tell you that is because this weekend, as I was trying to make my four-year-old's Paw Patrol cake for his birthday, as he'd requested, I definitely had moments of bitterness, anger, and rage. And we will find from these verses that we're looking at that we're encouraged to not carry those in our hearts and in our minds. So we're in this together. But we are called to live our lives differently as Christians. And so let's be attentive as we read this passage together from Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. If you've got a Bible, please do follow along, but it will also be on the screen. Verse 17 of Ephesians 4. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed." That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. 
Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing useful, something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What a passage. And I reckon that actually we could probably look at these verses and have an entire sermon series just on these. But we want to unpack these together today because today we have another opportunity to choose to grow, learn, and hear from Holy Spirit. So why don't I pray before we unpack these verses together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And our heart's desire today is that you would speak, speak to us afresh in and through these verses. We ask and pray. Amen. Last week, we heard about unity. That's what May was focusing on in the morning. And the value of us stepping into the giftings that God has given each and every one of us but also how we as the church are called to keep unity together. And the first three chapters of Ephesians are full of amazing truths. And then last week, the beginning of chapter four that we looked at saw a shift in the tone and the focus, one around unity. And you could say that the verses that we're looking at today are around purity. But let's continue to remember, as we look at just these verses, also the fact that the whole book of Ephesians, whilst it is about the church foundationally, it's all about Jesus. At our recent leadership conference that we had, there was an increased sense that we are in a season as a church and individually where we need to be pressing into having fresh revelations of who Jesus is for us today. And actually, this series in Ephesians is giving us a real opportunity to do that, to come with open hearts and minds, to receive, to be encouraged, be challenged, and make choices to maybe change as we step into and continue to grow as disciples. The alternative is we do nothing, and that is not what Jesus wants for us. And so it's worth noting as we look at these verses that the beginning of this passage starts strongly. So I tell you and insist on it in the Lord. Paul is insisting we pay attention. He's not saying this could be of interest to you or just take a listen when you want to. He is insisting that we listen to him but also to these words because they're words of Jesus. And in the Greek, the word is matoramai. If you're Greek, I apologize. My pronunciation is probably not that great. But it means to protest. 
And I love the message translation of this verse as well, where Eugene Peterson says this, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this. Essentially, Paul is summing up the will of Jesus for our daily lives as new beings. And we're going to unpack what it says in verse 24 when it uses that phrase, new self. But are we paying attention today? Because I sense that God wants to speak to us today. I don't know about you, but sometimes paying attention can be hard for us, can't it? I am a mum with two boys. You saw them, they're big personalities, quite lively. And in the morning, when we are ready to go to school, we've had, and we do have, daily occurrences of this scenario. Let me just set the scene for you. We have had a good morning, we are ready to go. But I never get too, uh, what's the word? Cocky about that because until we are actually at that school gate, there is always a chance that we will be late. And this is why. Because probably every morning, 10 or 20 times, I have to say, boys, will you put your shoes on? And what happens in that moment when I use the first, boys, will you put your shoes on, is suddenly I turn around and I start to see nerfs being shot at me from two nerf guns. And I think, all I asked you to do was put your shoes on. Then I might say in a slightly deeper tone or a slightly more forceful tone, boys, could you put your shoes on? And suddenly I hear, mum, I have to do this really important thing right now. And I'm thinking, no, no, the only important thing that you have to do right now is put your shoes on because actually we can't go to school and nursery until you've got shoes on. Can anybody relate to this or is this just me? Okay, yes, Sheena, thank you for that raised hand at the back. They are not paying attention. They've lost all ability to pay attention. And so my voice might get louder and I might be pleading with them a little bit more. But actually, what ends up happening is I might get a bit cross and we're late on the school run again. Why do I share this with you? Because I sense that this word coming from Paul is not like the cross Odell at the school run, but it's actually an urgency. These verses are being said with an urgency from Paul for us to take these words seriously. Because when we do, they have the power to totally change and transform our lives. According to Stuart Olyot, another reason that we should take this passage seriously is because of verse 30 where it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. A seal is a sign of ownership. It's not something that Holy Spirit does. He is himself the seal. And God has put his sign of ownership on all believers by giving us Holy Spirit. And through this sealing, our desire as followers of Jesus should be to grow in Christ-likeness and take care not to grieve Holy Spirit. Because that's actually what we do when we go back to living our lives or picking up our old self that we were before we met and knew Jesus. And so the insistence of these words and these verses today is because it's showing us a different way that brings greater unity with Holy Spirit and purity in transforming us as disciples. So if I haven't stressed that enough, the first point is that we have to pay attention to these verses.
Paul then moves on and spends time referring to the Gentiles in verse 18 and 19 and why we shouldn't be like them. This is where we're introduced to the Gentiles as people who have futility in their thinking, as the NIV translation says, or empty-headed, mindless, as the message says. And why is that important for us? What does Paul mean by that? Well, much of the time, people can look at this passage in Ephesians and think this is a list of do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. But that is not what this is about. Paul makes it very clear in these words that it starts with our minds first. That's what verse 23 is talking about. And of course, there's a generalizing and using the Gentiles because in the time when this was being um, shared, the people would have understood that the reason he was using that example is because the Gentiles were actively choosing to walk away in heart and mind from Jesus. Tom Wright says that genuine Christianity opens the mind so that it can grasp truth at deeper and deeper levels. Therefore, the message is clear. When we know Jesus, we cannot keep being, thinking, acting like we were before because we are made new. And this idea of new self is sometimes language that might seem a bit confusing. Verse 20 to 24 explores just what this means and how we are to put off our old self and put on the new self. But how do we do that? When we choose to become a Christian and we choose to repent and accept Jesus, it's not about learning a set of rules. It's not about um, just going through a load of regulations. It's about choosing to learn more of who Jesus is and who we are in him every single day. And that's why when I hear people say, you can be a Christian and just keep doing everything and keep being exactly as you were, you can't. Because in a spiritual sense, you are made new. And actually, the old has gone and the new has come. And in today's culture, that might sometimes seem a bit boring and restrictive, lacking. The phrase that we hear all the time is, you do you. And actually, a couple of years ago, it was, you do you boo. And I never quite understood that, so somebody can explain to me what that means. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. But we cannot, as Christians, just keep doing us. We have to be open for Jesus changing us. And does this change happen overnight? Well, I would say yes and no. Because you see, the thing is, we get to say goodbye to our old self and we get to step into the new. But it also says that we are being made new every single day. So that's an ongoing thing. As we keep trusting, loving and following Jesus, discipleship and growing as disciples should be something that happens every single day. But what can happen is we either don't step fully into the new or we keep coming back and picking up the old or actually we just end up doing nothing and getting stuck. Let me use this example for you. During lockdown, I became one of those people 
who started fresh water swimming. Okay? I was introduced by a friend who sits here today, and I was slightly skeptical, if I'm really honest, um, as to how good it would actually feel. Um, and when I kind of arrived, I saw all of these women, because I go with a group of women, in these dry robes, and I was thinking, why do you need one of those? So there I was with my old thin towel. I can do this. And um, as it's got colder, I go with my towel and my coat and my keep cup of coffee and my wrist warmers and my hot water bottle because it's definitely getting colder. But I saw, as probably many of you did, paddle boards went on sale and were selling out as fast as anything. Dry robes, the same. Websites selling out. And I had those moments of going, is it really necessary? And I'm sure they're all going to end up on eBay. Or they're just going to end up in people's wardrobes because this is just a phase and a fad and I'll just wait. Well, I started my journey with fresh water swimming tentatively in my wetsuit to begin with. And then I got so frustrated of trying to get a wetsuit off at the side of the reservoir that I um, embraced just going in my swimsuit. And the last swim that I did, and I know there's some of you that will go, oh, that's not difficult. The last swim that I did, the water was nine degrees. And when I came out and saw all of my friends in their dry robes, I thought, now I know why you've got a dry robe, because there I am with this little towel, and it's not really helping, and it's not really very warm. And I could see the reason that they had these dry robes. And I hope one day, and I need to save up to get a dry robe, but if and when I do get the dry robe, there is no point in me continuing to just pick up the towel and take it with me. Or there's no point in me leaving the dry robe in the wardrobe when I'm going freshwater swimming, and it's maybe one or two degrees in the water. I'm going to need to have that. The analogy maybe only works so far, but when we choose Jesus, we cannot keep going back to the old ways, the old self. At times it may seem and feel comfortable to do that, but it's not life fulfilling. When we put on the new self and we keep trusting, as I've said, keep loving and following Jesus, our minds are being transformed and we are being made new every day in him. And we need to be doing this together in community. It's vital for us to grow together as disciples. And you see, with the dry robe story, when I first started, I asked the women that I go with, why do you need this? Is it really worth it? I asked all those questions at the beginning. Now I can see. But if I hadn't have had those conversations, I wouldn't have known. And so having the conversations helps with our thought patterns when we're trying to wrestle with things that maybe we want to change. And the dry robe is maybe a trivial example, I know, but the same idea does apply to bigger areas of our lives. Talking about where our heart, our minds, our decisions and our choices are at is important. And similarly with the dry robe story, once I have a dry robe, if I turn up and I don't have it with me and I've just brought the old towel or I've left it in the wardrobe, I would expect my friends that I go with to say to me, Odell, why have you not brought it with you? I would expect and encourage them to challenge me in that way. Mark Scandrett, who wrote this book here, which is probably one of the longest titles in history, Practicing the Way of Jesus' Life Together in the Kingdom of Love. It's a great book. It's a great book. 
But what he says in this, when he's referring to people growing as disciples together, he says, anyone who, anyone we admire for the Christ-like beauty of their lives became that person through a series of small steps of risk and surrender. This is why at Central we are passionate about being family. We are passionate about being in community to support one another, but also help one another as we grow as disciples and reach people in this city as distinctive people, not people conforming to a list of rules and regulations. So the second point to make is we have a new self when we choose Jesus. And we cannot just do us and be how we want to be because we have Holy Spirit transforming us every single day. And actually, if we have become a spectator in our faith, rather than daily being renewed in him, we won't ever walk in the fullness of Jesus. Because you see, living for Jesus is about faith not fear. Living for Jesus is the best life, but it can be hard. Living for Jesus brings us freedom, but it can be costly. We have to do this together. And so where do you maybe find yourself this morning? Would you say you're not yet a Christian? Would you say you are a Christian, but you haven't maybe fully picked up, stepped into the new self because you keep going back to the old ways, or maybe actually you say, no, I've been a Christian for a very long time, but I've maybe just got a bit stuck and haven't continued to have my heart and mind changed and transformed by Jesus. Wherever we are at, Jesus wants us today to keep stepping into the new self and being made new every single day. But how do we know when we're being made new? Verse 25 onwards gives examples of ways to live that come from this renewed mind. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Or if you stole before, you have to now stop. Don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Build one another up. And I don't know about you, but the Odell without Jesus is never going to be able to make those shifts. It's only because of the renewed heart and mind that we actually choose to spend our money differently. We choose to use our home in a different way. We choose to use our time differently. We become quicker to not hold onto anger towards another. And I mean, I can be quite fiery when I want to. So that's something that Jesus definitely helped me out with. Or use our home in different ways. The lists go on. You may remember back in the summer of this year, a woman called Mina Smallman, picture of her is going to come up on the screen, a former archdeacon of Southend in England, two of her daughters were murdered on the same night. And Mina said this, as a person of faith, a follower of Christ, losing two of my girls in this way could have been enough to shake a person's faith. Fortunately, it didn't. When asked if she forgave the man who committed these crimes, she said, when we hold hatred for someone, 
It's not only them who is held captive, it's you. Because your thoughts become consumed by revenge. And I refuse to give him that power. I would say the only way that she has been able to show that forgiveness is because of her new self being transformed in her heart and in her mind, but not easy. Probably something that daily she has to choose to do. And many of us will never have to comprehend that, but some of us will and have already. But what about other examples of like the way that we choose to live our lives or spend our time Pete Gregg wrote a brilliant description of how hospitality as Christians should look different. People tell me that they have the gift of hospitality, by which I think they mean that they like dinner parties. They mean that they have, or aspire to have, a beautiful home with an underutilized spare room in which they enjoy entertaining exotic, interesting, appreciative guests who confirm just how lovely their home is. This is not the gift of hospitality. This is the gift of a box of chocolates. Biblical hospitality starts in the heart and not the IKEA catalog. It is a really bad lifestyle choice. True hospitality allows for interruption, goes the second mile, and above all, is present to people. Listening is the highest form of hospitality, says Henry Nguyen. Not to change people, but offering them space where change can take place. Hospitality like this rarely comes with a box of chocolates. It can often hurt our schedules, our emotions, our bank accounts, and yes, it can even mess up our homes. Wow, it's a challenge, isn't it? And I can testify as a child to having received hospitality like this. Some of you will know my story, and I'm not going to go into the details of that today. But from the age of six, my mum brought my sister and I up on her own, and at one point had to work three jobs to be able to put food on the table and provide for us. And there was not um, after-school clubs like there are now, And also, she didn't have the money to pay for a childminder. And so a family in our church that we had just started to be a part of made the commitment that twice a week, they would collect us from school with their other children, and they would have us at their home until nine o'clock in the evening when my mum finished work. And that wasn't just for a few weeks or a few months. That was for years that they did that. Years. It's such a challenge, isn't it? And how do we get to this point? Well, every day that we are allowing Holy Spirit to keep changing and transforming our minds and our hearts, we're getting closer. But we never get there. These instructions that Paul gives us are not a list of do's and don'ts that we may succeed or fail at, but rather they are a result of a renewed mind, motivated by the kindness of Jesus. And it's an ongoing thing. Jesus is full of grace and forgiveness and love when we do continue to pick up the old self. 
and get distracted. Or when we maybe get stuck and are finding things harder. And I am convinced that many of the pastoral issues and challenges that we find for ourselves and we sometimes see in the church are because we don't walk fully in these words and through the truth of these verses and the reality that we are being made new in heart and mind every day. We have to actively participate in this. If I choose to speak unwholesome words, I need to seek forgiveness. If I choose to act unkindly, then I have to apologize. If I choose to uh, let anger take over, then I need to have a word with myself. And I did when I was getting angry at the Paw Patrol cake, not going the way I wanted it to. Trivial example, I know. You can ask me at the end how it turned out. If I, if I, if I, there's so many things that we can put into that. But the final verse that we are looking at this morning says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, we cannot do any of this without always remembering what Jesus has done for us by dying on a cross, forgiving us of all of our sins. It's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And we can only live this life in the fullness that we see and hear with Jesus. So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us this week? Do we continue to just do us? Do we continue to not step into the new and the reality of the fact that we are being made new every day? Do we continue to pick up the old stuff and the old ways? Maybe this morning you've just felt Holy Spirit gently nudge something in your heart or in your mind. Maybe something that you need to ask God's forgiveness for. Maybe something that you need to talk to him about. We want to continue to go deeper with Jesus every day. And we need to do this together. And so maybe for you, actually, it's the fact that today you've thought, I'm trying to do this on my own, and I can't do that. We would love to help you find connection and community so that with others you can grow as a disciple, having hearts and minds changed and transformed because then our thoughts, our actions, our choices and our behaviors are different. Not because of anything we do, but because of the kindness and love and grace of Jesus. If you are able, I would love for you to stand as the band come back. Because we want to be responding to these words that we've heard today. And so what does that mean for us individually this week? You don't need to tell anybody if you don't want to. But if it would be helpful, we would love to pray for you. We won't ask lots of questions, but we would just love to pray for you. If you feel like actually you're stuck 
or you're not stepping into the fullness of what it means to be being made new every day, we want to pray for you. So as the band play, I'm going to pray so we can respond and receive from Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word and for these words that we've looked at today. For the power of them, of the fact that we are being made new every day. For the reality of your love and your grace that you show upon us every single day. And so would you speak to us individually where we are in this room? Maybe there's things that you want to drop into our heart, into our mind. Things that we maybe need to change. Things that we need to talk to you about. Things that we maybe need to talk to others about. Whatever those things are, Holy Spirit, would you enable us to come before you now and to respond?